0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers close out the Crossroads Classic. As they needed to, with a victory over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, 64 to 56. It is not a game that is going to be, you know, put in any uh, any halls of fame for being pretty anything like that. Uh, but the Hoosiers do overcome a really sluggish start to get the victory. You know, they really they, they took the lead there in the second half. Uh, you know, really took control early. And never really relinquished it. Notre Dame had their one, you know, little run where they tied it up, but Indiana soon thereafter uh, extended the lead again. And the Hoosiers end the Crossroads Classic with the best record uh, in the event, and more importantly for this season, extend their record to nine and two and get. You know, I don't know if I wouldn't call it a signature victory. I don't think Notre Dame is that good, but it's at least a victory away from home, you know, against a decent team uh, that, you know, can kind of anchor their non-conference, the non-conference portion of their NCAA tournament resume, something that they really, really needed heading into Big Ten play. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with the coach, Jeff Marlowe, and we are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. And let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for the banner moment, I'm going back to the first half. You know, this was a game Indiana really started out poorly through about the first 10, 12 minutes. Notre Dame built a 24 to 15 lead. And I think a lot of us are thinking, yo, guys, let's go. Let's wake up. Because it just looked like a team that was really sleepwalking. You know, the defense was good enough to just make sure that Notre Dame didn't kind of run away and hide. But the offense was bad. The passing was bad. Trace was really just, you know, kind of having one of his – You know, one of those stretches where he just wasn't very aggressive. And so right after that, Notre Dame gets their biggest lead, you know, nine points. We go inside to trace. He gets fouled, hits a couple of free throws, and then Indiana forces a shot clock violation on the next possession. And that would start a stretch of 10 minutes of gameplay where Notre Dame would score a total of five points as from that point when indiana was down 24 to 15 they would then go and open up a 37 to 29 lead early in the second half and that to me was really the story of the game is solid team defense from indiana you know keeping them in the game number 1 when the offense just wasn't even awake in the first half And then, you know, continuing uh, once they did get the lead in the second half, again, outside of that one little stretch that allowed them to keep the lead. And then as they went down the stretch, extend it. And, you know, that's really been the formula for Mike Woodson early in the season. He told us the defense is ahead of the offense. Well, the defense is still ahead of the offense. And I think that's not to say that there aren't concerns offensively. There are. We'll talk about them. This offense is going to have to get better for Indiana to go where they want to go. But right now, on a day like today, when the offense just wasn't very good, the defense was good enough to win a game that Indiana really needed. And that's something that Indiana can hang its hat on, and that is certainly a good thing. All right, our banner moment today, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel. Now in their fifth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call, and their first as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network, And look, you know, it's Christmas time. Obviously, you're thinking about gifts to get your loved ones. Make sure that you go online and shop at homefieldapparel.com. And look, it may be a little bit late at this point to get your items in time for Christmas. You'll have to go there and check the shipping. But homefield stuff is so good. Even if people get it on the 27th or the 28th or the 29th, who cares? Because they're going to wear the stuff for the rest of the year. You know, Homefield, they've got the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos, like two different versions of the Bison. And for fans of other teams, Homefield has something for them too, because their product line extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what, you know it's going to be comfortable, you know the colors will last through many washings, and you're supporting an Indiana based company that came up through the Kelly School of Business. And what could be better than that? So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And today, that is the coach, Jeff Marlowe. So, Coach, what are your opening thoughts on this Indiana victory over Notre Dame?
1: Yeah, Jared, I thought the, the two best parts of the game were the end of the first half and the end of the second half. And that was to me we went on 15 to 3 run to end the first half and then in the game it was 46 all after that under eight timeout and we finished off the game with a 64 to 56 win. So that means we went 18 to 10 in that last, you know, segment. So, so the game really was 33, 33 to uh, 13 in those two segments and and I I posted in the chat there for the mob that you don't always have your A game. And we found a way to win a game today where you didn't have your A game. And I think that's important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, sorry, Jeff. There's a little bit of a delay between your video and your speaking. It's My like one apologies. of those it's like one of those old Kung Fu movies. So I couldn't I couldn't tell if you were done there. Uh, but that's all right. We'll 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 figure this out. Um, just, you know, real quick. Obviously, you know, Indiana had some guys. There was a lot of talk kind of before the game. Some guys might not be available, this or that. You know, Miller Copp obviously uh, played, you know, was able to play 28 minutes, which was good. I know he'd been dealing with a little bit uh, of an issue. Uh, Tamar Bates did not play. Uh, have no fear. Tamar is fine. It's not an injury uh, or anything. Uh, there was a, a death in the family. He, he was at the funeral. Uh, so that is why uh, he wasn't there. Jordan Geronimo, I know, was limited. Um, you know, he only played four minutes, although I thought the minutes that he played were really important in the first half. Because, you know, Race Thompson really came out and wasn't doing a lot early. I think through the first nine minutes of the game, Race Thompson hadn't attempted a shot, hadn't gotten a rebound. He and Trace, it just really took them a long time to get into the game. And Jordan Geronimo came right in, got four rebounds and two points. And I thought those were really important uh, minutes. Now he didn't play again. And again, he's, you know, kind of been dealing uh, with a little bit of something. So it's also nice for Indiana to get this when they didn't have uh, their full full complement of players. Um, You know, Again, I thought early on, Coach, you know, Trace and Race, they, it really took them a while to get into the game. And you could just kind of tell, you know, the first few possessions, Trace, you know, misses a wide-open bunny on the very first possession. A couple of possessions later, he has one of those really lazy, you know, just kind of one-handed passes that gets intercepted and taken the other way. It was getting beaten on defense, and it's kind of one of those, okay, you know, Trace, you know, we've seen this before, and the team really follows his lead. And I thought, to his credit, late in the first half, he really got going. You know, So he finishes with 17 points, 12 rebounds, a couple of blocks. You know, Indiana changed up a few things that it was doing offensively uh, to kind of free him up. Um, but it was nice to see him rebound You know, from a rough start. And he had to play 38 minutes because Michael Durr came in in the first half. He really was ineffective in the couple of minutes that he played. And so Mike Woodson just rode Trace in the second half. Uh, you know, and so coach to trace his credit after a rough start, he rebounded, uh, and, and was able to, you know, to do what he needed to do to help lead his team to victory.
1: Yeah. I texted you in the first half there, Jared. And, and right before we made that run in the first half, I texted you at that time out that I think combined, they only had eight points and five rebounds and they really found especially trace, but in the second half race found it a little bit too. And I thought that was the key. Um, we'll kind of dig into the numbers a little bit deeper in the next segment, but, um, I didn't feel like we used our advantage in the post as much as we should have. That was one of the things that I was watching for. Um, I just, you know, the, the offense was a little stagnant throughout the game, but like I said, you don't always have your a game. And I thought that was important today. Trace didn't play his best game, yeah. but I felt like when it was time to make some plays, he found a way. And, and I thought that the two of them combined, and has been pointed out in the chat, I had it circled in my notes as well. Um, that steal by race, we, I believe it was Rob turned it over. Notre yes. Dame was on a little bit of a run out and race hustled back and got a steal. And that really in high, you know, at the moment I circled to thinking that could be huge. And in hindsight, I think it really was kind of a momentum killer. Cause if Notre Dame scores there, you know, it's still a nip and tuck games. I want to say it was still like 49, 47 or something like that. It was that 47,
0: point. 47. I had that one marked down for a potential meaningful moment. Huge play absolutely huge play by race yeah to come back and get that ball
1: absolutely and then like i said we we outscore them 18 to 10 the rest of the way so i mean it just to me those are the things you can't quantify in a stat sheet sometimes i know race gets the steal but it was the fact that he hustled back to get that steal and sometimes you can't quantify them and i want to point out and maybe i should save this for later i really i really was impressed i know anthony Leal made it really kind of you know from a coaching perspective, dumb foul toward the end of the game. We don't need to foul there on a missed free throw. But I felt like both times when we made those runs at the end of the first half and the second half, who was on the floor? Anthony Leo was part of that group that was on the floor. He didn't really get into the into the stat sheet, but just seemed like today Anthony brought a little bit of glue to the team because he wasn't necessarily hunting shots. And there were times when you felt like X was – and 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 then sometimes Rob was hesitant. So but I really felt Anthony really was a big key to the game day. It just didn't show up in a stat sheet.
0: Yeah. Leal had kind of a Colin Hartman type game, you know, where it's he made some good passes, he got some rebounds, he tapped the ball when you needed to. And I think Anthony Leal's defense has gotten a lot better. Like you know, he had a nice play where he kind of dug down late. He dug down and got a steal uh, on whatever the Notre Dame you know big guy's name was. You know he's not getting abused on defense like we saw last year. And that you know, look, this was a this was always going to be a big moment for Leal. You know, with Tamar out, with Geronimo limited, he was going to get more minutes. And you know, he's been a guy that has needed to make some threes. You know, to kind of justify him being out there because he took some things off the table. Uh, you know, defensively. But I think he's starting to figure out how to contribute without just making threes. And we know that threes are going to come. So, yeah, you know, on the text chain that I have with, uh, you know, with Coach and Ryan and Andy, Leal's name kept coming up. You know, Coach was there live at the game. That's why he's not here on the show. Um, But he really, he just did some winning things today that you're right, you know, didn't didn't necessarily jump out in the stat sheet. The other thing, um, by the way, did you find it odd at all that, you know, after Race misses those two free throws? Notre Dame goes right down and scores. And by the way, in the last 90 seconds, we gave up just two straight line drives right to the basket. Like, come on, guys. I know we're trying not to foul, but let's make it a little bit harder than that. But did you think it was kind of odd that Notre Dame just like stopped playing with like 45 seconds left as bad as throw shooting is? My dad and I are watching the game. We're like, are they done?
1: It's yeah like, okay I, we'll take it but yeah i'm sorry i'm not trying to interrupt but I, I was yeah i kind of was surprised that they didn't try to stretch it out at least a couple more possessions because yeah. if you could get the ball and i'm not trying to pick on race here but race missed a couple parker missed one so you know what do you got to lose by a couple more fouls and see if you can get some misses and some scores but yeah i was a little surprised by that but i i, I did watch those last couple possessions where we gave up straight line driving like Well, it's better than fouling them and putting them at the line, but I would have liked to have seen a little more resistance to just a simple (laughs) straight line drive to a layup.
0: Yeah. Um, Look, the other storyline that we need to talk about off the top here is Xavier Johnson. Um, We know that this offense a lot of times is going to go as Xavier Johnson goes. And, you know, today is one of those games. Xavier has 11 points, only has three assists, which is obviously on the low side for him. You know, he has four turnovers and goes two of nine from downtown. One of the things that I've been impressed with from Xavier so far this season is, you know, kind of his three point shooting discipline. He hasn't taken a lot of bad three pointers. I know, you know, you look at the Wisconsin game, he obviously took a lot of shots in the second half, but those are shots driving to the basket. Um, You know, he has been a guy, you know, coming into the game, he was six of 13 from downtown, 46%. And again, it was one of the things I was most impressed with. Today, that all went out the window. You know, and Notre Dame's game plan was clearly, look, let's sag off. He can make a lot of things happen when he gets into the paint. Let's sag off so that if he gets into the paint, he's going to be met there with a defender instead of beating a defender. And if he decides to start shooting threes, we'll take our chances with that. And that worked out pretty well because Xavier decided to start shooting threes. And he's a guy who is not nearly as good shooting off the dribble as he is off the catch. And, you know, there in the second half, you know, he took a couple more of them and you could hear you know, the Indiana side of the crowd audibly booing him, taking that last shot and cheering when he got taken out. Personally, to me, I think that's insane and ridiculous. Like if you're going to boo one of your own guys, it's for an extreme lack of effort and that's it. But I do understand the frustration with the shot selection on the three-pointers. What was nice to see is after he got taken out, He adjusted, you know, and he passed up a couple of opportunities that he had been taking previous to the game. And there was that possession late where, you know, he got one off the catch. The ball had been reversed. It kind of comes around the wing, two or three passes. He got it, shot it, and made it. That's the one he's been taking, making for a lot of this season. So, you know, look, I mean, where it's going to become a broken record is December 18th. And the whole concept of the Xavier Johnson roller coaster is, you know, just something that we're going to keep talking about. Um, but it was, it was nice to see, you know, Mike Woodson, you know, kind of hold him accountable there in the second half. Cause you could see on that last one that he took, you know, it's one of those where all the assistant coaches like flail their arms up, you know, you see like the, the frustration visible on the sidelines. So everybody was kind of feeling the same thing. Um, so, you know. We've got to, with Xavier, try to figure out a way to rein some of these things in before the snowball kind of gets rolling as much as it did today. Um, But at least he was able to adjust there late in the second half. And, you know, Rob Finnessy was able to come in and make a couple of big shots, too, which helped. But, you know, this is not this is not one of the better days for Xavier Johnson. And yet, in some ways, the offense still functioned a little bit better when he was on the court because of the pressure that he puts on the defense. So, you know, it's it's it's. Watching Xavier Johnson this year as an Indiana fan is difficult because he's by far the best point guard we've had since Yogi. But he does a lot of things, kind of obviously each game, where it's like, man, if you could just kind of eliminate that or smooth out that rough edge, you know, the net gain of you being the point guard would be so much greater, you know. And today, a lot of those are just obvious because a lot of those threes are just threes he shouldn't have been taken.
1: Well, I got a couple of things I'll add in there. Number one, he hit his very first three and that may have been a bad thing in hindsight because he was <laughs> like I'm hot you know and I know what I was playing I was hey I hit my first one. they're all going to go in and, and then you miss a couple was like well if I hit two more if I hit the next two I'm 500 so you know 50% so um, I also thought kind of as I watched the game how much did Mike Bray know having played him before in the ACC with Pitt and stuff so having maybe a little more detailed scouting report That's a good his- point
0: that's on a good Xavier point. Johnson, because
1: they, they really d- kind of dared him. I also would have liked to have been at the game. I know the coaches kind of threw their arms up on that one shot you're talking about, but I also want to know if they were on that sideline going X, if they're going to back off and go under those screens, take the shot. I, I really want to know what that dynamic was. Cause I, the third thing I'll bring up here, Jared, is I tweeted this out to me. It's obvious that if coach Woodson has you on the floor, he expects you to shoot. If you're open. Now, maybe some of the shots he took were a little quicker than we would like as fans, but I think Coach Woodson's philosophy is, I'll tell you when to not, I'll tell you when not to shoot, and that's when I put you on the bench. And that's kind of what he did there after that shot. But I know a lot of people don't like plus minus. I bring it up probably a little bit more than others on here. But he was plus sixteen when he was on the floor. I mean, for as bad as everybody thought he was playing, he's plus sixteen, and, and in a game that we win by eight. So yeah, it's frustrating at times, but. I think you also sometimes just got to, I think that we just got to sit back and be like, you know, got to trust Coach Woodson, what he's doing here. And there's going to be times, and I've been, and I'll kind of bring this up a little bit later. I wonder just how much of this right now Coach Woodson's, it's non conference for the most part. He's kind of, you know, just like, I'm going to learn about my team here. I want to see what guys can do when I give them a free reign. We get after January 1 when it's pretty much all Big 10 from there on. I'll be interested to see if, if the reigns start tightening up on some of this a little bit.
0: Yeah, you just you got to be careful because you don't want bad habits to develop. But I do think I do think there's some of that. I think I mean, based on just you're right. Sometimes you can see things more when you're at the game, but just based on some of the bench reactions to the last few Xavier was taking, I don't yeah. think they wanted him to continue. I think they're fine with him taking the ones off of a couple of passes. Be a catch and shoot yeah. three-point guy. Absolutely. But he's not threatening the defense as much when he's just sagging back off the dribble and taking those threes. You know Parker Stewart, on the other hand, is a guy who continues to excel. You know, as you know, just picking his spots and almost as a guy that you'd like to kind of hunt shots more. You know, he goes three for four from downtown today. Uh, continues to be an excellent shooter, um, which is really huge. And we'll actually talk about one of the threes uh, that he took uh, here in a minute when we get to meaningful moments that you might have missed. So coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's eight-point victory over Notre Dame. I'll point out today's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track tested performance that packs an energy
1: all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. This is Bridell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater, a full-court dribble, and a perfectly placed pass to set it all up? And, of course, celebrating the Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers!
0: Thank you, Verdell. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with the coach, Jeff Marlowe, and we are breaking down Indiana's 64-56 victory over Notre Dame in the final Crossroads Classic next year. Instead of playing in this event, Indiana will be starting a home-and-home series against Kansas, which is just going to be all kinds of fun. Uh, it is time now for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. Uh, let's get some music. Meaningful moments that you might have missed So I want to talk about Parker Stewart and Miller Kopp, who are guys that I continue to want to see our offense find more ways to get them shots. I know that we're going to focus inside with Trace and Race. That's where we should focus. Everything should start there. But as we now move into January and February and get into Big Ten play, I think we've got to find a way to get to get Parker and Miller more shots. Um, You know, you think back to the first half, I mentioned in the Banner moment, that stretch where Notre Dame got up nine, and Indiana's defense was keeping them in it, and that's all well and good. But, you know, as we've seen so many times over the last few years, at some point, strong defense is going to wilt if you don't get something from the offense. You know, you can't just keep busting your ass on defense, possession after possession, if you're not getting anything on offense. It's just human nature, right? Well, I thought when Parker Stewart came in It was 24-19. He hits that three to make it 24-22. It kind of felt like that got a pep in everybody's step. It was like, okay, you know, we made an outside shot. Let's go. And really, the three-point shooting kind of kept Indiana going offensively in the first half. They made four of them. X hit the one. Rob Finnessy hit one. Parker hit a couple of them. Uh, And I thought that one uh, was big. You know, to make a five-point lead to two, Indiana would end up then taking the lead into halftime and then I thought Miller cop shots at the start of the second half were big because again you know you kind of felt at the start of that second half coach it's like okay our defense is absolutely shutting Notre Dame down if we can get something going offensively now we can extend this lead it's like that was great at the end of the first half to get the lead what can we get going here in the second half now to get it going and you know Miller had he dribbled in was kind of stopped, had that nice little turnaround jump shot. And then on the very next possession, um, I think Xavier Johnson, you know, kind of found him balls whipping around the the perimeter, finds Miller cop on the left wing. He makes it. I believe those are his only five points of the game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Those are his only five points of the game, but they were really big points because I think that put us up six or seven points there early in the second half. And it really at that moment kind of felt like Indiana was in control. And then really all second half, Indiana kind of kept control. Even when Notre Dame made that run and tied it at 47, it just kind of felt like, okay, they had battled things back to even but had never gained control of the game. And Indiana really quickly regained control. So, you know, those two guys, they score a combined uh, 17 points. Um, But, you know, their shot making is really, really important for this team. And so, again, I hope we can find more ways to get those guys shots because they're proving time and again that they can make them and hit big ones in big moments for Indiana.
1: Well, a, a couple things, Jared. Number one, you kind of sounded like me when I was coaching. I used to always tell my players and, and anytime we had an immediate the game in a situation like that where a team made a runoff, so I would always make the comment, well, as long as we were tired or had the lead, I still felt like we were in control. Now, as a, actually inside my gut, I was like, man, this is getting away from us. And that's kind of the way I felt during that stretch after that, that flagrant foul call when they got back to Tide. So, I was kind of churning inside like, oh, man, this, this is going to get awful if we lose this. And, But give credit to the team from that point. And we'll come back to that here in a little bit because I want to focus on Miller and, and Parker, like you were talking about as well. Um, I think the one thing we got to find a way, and Coach Adranya pointed this out on Twitter at halftime, I believe it was. It would be nice to see us push the tempo a little bit more against the Notre Dame team on makes and misses and, and find a way to get Miller and Parker more opportunities in the transition where they have to be, you know, somebody has to be maybe cross match with them. Parker or Trey. Yeah. Sorry. Miller missed a three in transition. I think that was his last shot maybe of the game, but I had no problem with that shot. Now I know some of the fan base may not be as happy with, you know, let's throw it up the floor and shoot a quick three. I don't mind that. That's kind of my, my kind of DNA is if I could do that, kind of that old style um, break that you used to see a lot of teams run. Uh, probably when you were in school, if you remember, Lafayette, Jeff used to run a lot of that old, you know, that sideline break, throw it up and mm-hmm. get a quick shot. Um, but we, you know, I had no problem with that. And Parker's got to get more than four shots. And that's just something maybe yes. I want to kind of bring back at the end. We talked about the lingering question. Um, we're not really seeing a lot of sets. And, I, and you know, Mike Woodson has to have—I'm exaggerating here—a million sets coming from the NBA. So, is he saving them for Big Ten play and trying not to get too many things on film before he gets into that? Me, you know, that I, I just got to believe there's things in his in his kit in his toolkit that he has to get a kid like Miller or excuse me, Parker Stewart more than four shots because Parker missed his last three, but he was three for three at one point. And, and I just, I'm with you. I want to see Parker get more shots and I want to see more movement. I thought there was a lot of stagnant four out one in, but it was kind of stagnant. Um, Miller may be at times a little more aggressive than Parker looking for a shot. He had seven shots in 28 minutes and Parker only had four in 29, but I'm with you. I want to see those two. And when Anthony little is on the floor, let's run a set and get him some shots. So because Anthony only had one shot, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, that's one of those kind of perplexing things for me. Is both a former coach and as a fan, what more are we going to see? Because you know there has to be sets for specific kids.
0: Yeah. By the way, the other thing I want to talk about is I know Parker Stewart got a technical foul on it, and I know that it. You know, I don't. I don't know if it ignited the Notre Dame run. The Notre Dame run just happened to happen after it. I'm not going to say that those two things are necessarily correlated. But I loved what Parker Stewart did after that, that hard foul by the Notre Dame guy on Trace takes him down. And yeah, I think if you looked at it in slow motion, it didn't look quite as bad. But when you looked at it in real time, it looked like a hard, unnecessary foul. And Parker Stewart goes right up and just kind of shoves the guy out of the way. And I loved it. It was like, I've got your back. And I feel like that's something we haven't seen a ton, like a little bit of an edge, a little bit of fight in this team. I love seeing that. So I know we got a technical foul on it and maybe like technically you have to because he pushed the guy. But I don't care, man. I thought that was awesome to see. And that's the kind of stuff that kind of stuff builds a team. You know, like I think Trace is going to look at that and be like, this guy has got my back. And I think that's really important. So I love seeing that from Parker Stewart, technical and all whatever. That was a great play by him.
1: Uh, I I really didn't have a problem with him coming in there. I thought the technical might've been a little cheap, but it it did kind of swing momentum a little bit, but I'm with you. It's nice to see this team have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and to, to, And to get in there and protect their teammate, even if you didn't have to get up in the other guy's grill, at least get in there, get to your guy and be like, Hey, he's our guy. We'll get him up off the floor. What I thought was interesting about the whole thing was the most calm person on the floor at that point was TJD. Mm -hmm. He he was kind of like, okay, but, and maybe that, you know, you know, calm it down. But, you know, I, I agree. I, I like the idea. And I think that you see a little bit from that. I think Parker being a little older, having been through some of the things he's been through he, I think he gets that idea of, hey, this is my team. This is my family. And yes. I'm going to be there to stick up for him.
0: Yes. Oh, I, I think for Parker, it is family. You know, yeah, obviously, I, we know what he went through with his dad. I think it is. Correct. You know, and as someone said, you know, the, the foul wasn't that hard. I, again, I think if you looked at it in slow motion, it wasn't as bad. But in real time, it looked bad. And so I can see how you're on the court. That's going to be, your, that's what you want is the instinct, though. Like, I'm hey. glad that somebody's instinct is just to go protect his teammate. That's what you and, want
1: to see. and and they've already seen one teammate go down on a similar type foul that yes. broke Trey Galloway's wrist.
0: Yes. 100%. 100%. Um you know one other guy that I want to talk about coach is Rob Finnessy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and look, I don't think it's a meaningful moment that anybody missed, but his three pointer in the second half was a huge one. It took a 49 to 47 game, made it 52 to 47. Yet another big shot for Rob Finnessy uh, at banker's life or whatever it was a Gainbridge or something now. I, I don't even know what it's called anymore. I don't either. Um, you know, but that was a big shot for him. And you know, it's interesting. I was going to talk about this in the numbers. We can talk about it now. You know, Rob finished his game with six points, five rebounds, five assists, And only a couple turnovers, you know, played 25 minutes. I think he's been dealing, you know, he's been a little bit banged up. Uh, And so, you know, his minutes today were really important, especially with Xavier Johnson struggling and Mike Woodson clearly not ready to put Christian Lander on the court. Um, You know, Rob, I think, I mean, it is such a stark difference watching Rob run the offense and Xavier run the offense. You know, Xavier running the offense is pedal to the metal, 100 miles an hour for better or worse. Rob running the offense is slow and steady, you know, and kind of thinking through every move. And you kind of would like to have a little bit of a happy medium there. You know, I think today, you know, Rob was the one that was, you know, a little bit more productive doing it. Um, you know, I think he was able to get the ball inside at certain times, which was good. Um, You know, and obviously, you know the two three pointers that he hit were really big. The one that he hit in the first half, Indiana needed every bit of offense they could get early in the game just to hang around, and that one late was was better. So, you know, I think we're now what a third of the way into the season, expecting this magnificent Rob Finney renaissance. You know, where he becomes Xavier Simpson or something. You know, as a senior, doesn't seem like that's in the cards. But I think if Indiana can get from Rob what they got today. Which is you're probably never gonna get real efficient shooting from Rob. You know, we've just we've we've you know, we've been with him now for four, you know, this is our fourth year with him. He's just a guy who hasn't been real efficient as a shooter. But if he can give you five assists against a couple of turnovers, if he can play relatively solid defense, he got beat off the dribble a couple times, but his defense was mostly solid. And if he can go in there and get some rebounds for you, that's kind of what you need from him in the 20 minutes. Um, you know, and so anything above that, you know, is kind of a bonus. Um, but you know, I think this was This was winning basketball today from Rob Finnessy in a spot where they really needed him with Xavier Johnson kind of being up and down. Rob was at least steady, and they needed that from him today.
1: Yeah, I want to go back real quick about Miller I I I really did... Appreciate Miller's effort today because there were a lot of rumors out there floating around Twitter and 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 I saw you kind of or at least in our community discussion I should say there were some rumors in the community discussion that he might not play that he was dealing with some illness and stuff and yet he goes out there and gave us 28 minutes and so I give Miller a lot of credit for that but back to Rob now I kind of marked that same segment down Jared I marked that same segment Um, I had that. And, and I had more with it because X followed that up with a basket to make it 54, 47. And then after Notre Dame field goal, they feed TJ, du- TJD got that kind of, they whipped the ball around the floor, got it to race. The help came race, gave it to TJD, TJD for a dunk to make it 56, 49. And so that kind of entire segment, but I agree with you and start that off with Rob's three. And I'll give credit to Ryan. He pointed this out on, on Twitter, more and I kind—I of, noticed it, but I didn't think that much about it. Until I saw Ryan's tweet that Rob just caught and shot. He didn't think about that shot; he just got it in rhythm and took the shot and buried it. And I and that—I really was pleased with Rob. I don't want to talk about Rob too much here. I got some things later. I think we'll come back to Rob about. You don't have
0: to give Ryan credit when he's not on the show. You take credit and just ignore uh, who said it.
1: I, I don't want to take credit for something I didn't tweet.
0: <laughs> uh. No, it's okay. Um, okay, let's uh, let's go inside the numbers here. The segment sponsored by the Power Rank, where our friend Ed uses data and analytics to make accurate football and college basketball predictions. He also writes an incredible March Madness guide every year, and we are going to have a special offer for you on that once Mar- once March rolls around. So stay uh, stay tuned for that. For now, if you want to get sports betting advice with a PhD edge, you know, or if you just like understanding sports at a more analytical level, you should definitely subscribe to Ed's free newsletter. You can get that at the Power. PowerRank.com/ac. That is the PowerRank.com/ac. Okay, let's dissect the numbers here that tell the story of this game. You know, I thought for Indiana having 16 assists on 21 made field goals was good. You know, uh, obviously, you know, being able to share the ball and, and do some of the things that Indiana did, uh, you know, that was nice. And I think you know, being able to shoot eight for 20 from downtown. Was really big for Indiana. You know, when the offense was really stalled, that's what you need sometimes, is you got to make some threes to make up for that. And obviously, Xavier Johnson was two for nine out of that. So, you know, Indiana, six for 11 on guys not named Xavier Johnson uh, shooting three pointers. Really, really important. Uh, The free throw shooting, only 14 for 22. That continues to be an issue for Indiana. You know, frankly, this is a game Indiana probably should have won by 12, 13, 14 points if they just make some free throws, you know. And so that continues to be. Uh, a little bit of an issue. And, you know, early on, I thought rebounding was a big issue for Indiana. You know, they just weren't weren't paying attention almost at all on the offensive glass. Notre Dame was able to come in. I think they had four offensive rebounds within the first four or five minutes of the game. They would only get four more. Uh, and Indiana would end up taking the rebounding edge. 29 to 24. But the other thing that I like to see and this is, you know, this dates back to the the days of growing up with Coach Knight and this always being one of the most important stats. Can you make more free throws than the opponent attempts? And today Indiana made 14 free throws, Notre Dame only attempted 13. So, you know, I recognize 14 of 22, that's a bad percentage, but Indiana still won the battle from the free throw line by being able to do that. Um, you know, and they were able to do that obviously in part because they had the lead late, but that's part of where you're going to get a lot of free throws, but also because they were relentless in pounding the ball inside. And that's where you're going to get a lot of your free throw opportunities. So, uh, you know, those to me were the numbers, the reasons why Indiana, uh, was able to win, you know, and the other one is Blake Wesley is only five of 16 from the field. That guy has so much talent. And it was pretty obvious just watching some high school film of him that he was really, really talented. But you can see it. He wasn't very efficient today, but you can just see his ability to get to the basket. He's kind of got some old-school finger rolls, and he's got these really long arms. Like, he's a fun player to watch. Uh, And, you know, I thought he was able to do some things, but Indiana made it tough on him. You know, it wasn't very often that he was able to just get there without someone there to challenge him off the dribble, challenge him off the shot. And that to me was always going to be a big difference today. If Blake Wesley's allowed to go out there and be efficient scoring, it's going to be hard for Indiana to win. Uh, and they were able, he was able to get his 14 points, but they made him really work for it and forced him into a lot of tough, tough shots. Um, what numbers stood out to you, coach?
1: Well, I'm going to start with some team stats. I think that's where I'll start on this segment is, uh, and, and both, and really from the defensive side, Jared, you pointed out the rebounding, we end up winning the rebounding battle 35, 32, but, We held Notre Dame. And I'll admit, I don't know a lot about the Irish. I only caught a little bit of their game with Kentucky the other day. So I won't say I know a whole ton about this team, other than Dane Goodwin's a very good player out of Ohio as well. So some of that younger talent that their young talent that Mike Bray has, I I like, but we held them to 36% shooting for the game. And we held them to 18% from beyond the arc. Now I know some of that is people miss open shots. We miss open shots. But a lot of that's because the defense, from about the eight-minute mark of the first half, I thought was pretty solid. After that point, through the rest of the game, I thought we were really, really solid. And to me, in a game like that where your offense is really sluggish to begin with, I think defense is how you can get that turned around. And and that proved to be the case today um, and from that standpoint. So I, I'm going to start there. Um, and then from individual standpoints, I, I'll look at Trace. So, and I didn't think it was the best TJD game we see I mean I thought he was okay but he still finishes up with 17 and 12 and two blocks and two assists all right and and just the two turnovers and, and a couple of those were some lazy passes but those two were actually lazy passes say a couple but they you know that was you know I really felt it was this that team dynamic on the defensive end and as you mentioned 40% from 3 and when you took x out of the out of the mix they're 6 for 11 they were pretty efficient from beyond the arc today.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, this is one of those games the offense wasn't very good, things were kind of sluggish, it was kind of a slow pace and so it feels like there's not a lot to get excited about, but I'm glad that you brought up some of those defensive numbers. You know, you look here, Notre <laughs> Dame it says on layups was 10 of 21. And this continues to be a theme for Indiana that when teams get the ball inside, they're not very efficient at scoring. And Indiana right now, the Ken Palm numbers have been updated. The Hoosiers are third in the country in effective field goal percentage defense, 40%, 40% effective field goal percentage yeah, defense. That's, that's an incredible number. And they're holding teams to 39.2% shooting on two-pointers. And I realized that like good two-point shooting defense isn't like a sexy stat to get all excited about. But if you want your team to be good and win games, it's really important. Like th- that's been kind of a Michigan State staple mm-hmm. that you've seen them do that, have high assist rates, and make good three pointers or, you know, make a good amount of their three pointers. And that's kind of been a formula for them. Uh, you know, in Indiana, Coach, you want to guess where Indiana is nationally in three point shooting right now for the season?
1: Well, I know we're, we are percentage wise, I want to say we've been around 36, 37% as a team. So we got to be probably top 150. 373
0: percent, forty-fourth in the country in three-point wow. shooting right now. Which wow. you know that's I'll take it. <laughs> that's excellent, and and I feel like we could shoot more threes. You know, I really doubt yes. X should take a few you know a few less than he did today. He needs to yes. do what he's done the rest of the season. Um, but I feel like we've got room to take more, especially like you said, if you get a guy like Leal doing it. But yeah, I mean, the story of this game is defense, and the story of the program right now. Is defense, you know, and it, it's ironic because when Mike Woodson was first brought in, and people are kind of charting the narrative for why this is going to work, right? One of the first things they talked about is, ooh, you know, Mike Woodson is going to bring in a, in a NBA style offense. Indiana is going to use the three point shot more. They're going to play a more up tempo, you know, style. And I think all of that stuff is going to be true. And we're already seeing, you know, Indiana shoot better from the three point line, uh, which is good to see. But the reason why Indiana's winning games, and Mike Woodson told us this from day one, is defense. You know, he has really gotten these guys to to buy in defensively. And even when they're struggling, it feels – here's the difference this year, Coach, is number one, the offensive lulls aren't as long, right? So there are some lulls offensively for this team, but they don't go like nine minutes without scoring, you know, they find a way. You know, they'll get the ball inside. Rob will hit a three like he did today. Like something happens. So it's not some extended stretch. But it feels like the defense will hold strong while the offense kind of figures it out. Where it almost felt like the last few years, we'll give you four or five good possessions of defense. But if the offense doesn't come along and do something, we're just gonna start wilting. And I feel like we have more stamina, a little bit more kind of defensive mental toughness now. Combine that with an offense that isn't quite as prone to the big lulls, and you get a team that's better. You know, I, I get this team lost to Syracuse, they lost to Wisconsin, and there were really glaring things in both of those games that if you fix, those turn into victories. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with where this team is right now. Um, I'd love to have one of those be a win. So you're at 10 and one, you'd be feeling a whole lot better. Um, but I think overall, when you kind of, when you start to see, you know, kind of statistically now, what's the formula for this team, it's good defense, really good, you know, two point defense, uh, you know, and being able to be efficient, um, you know, offensively shooting, you know, making threes and obviously tracing race down low, that's a formula that's going to, you're going to be able to win 10, 11, big 10 games that way Mm -hmm. at a minimum, I think. And so this team right now, profiles to me exactly what you needed Mike Woodson's first team to profile as, which is a team that should make the NCAA tournament. And now we have January and February and March to get better and maybe improve upon that ceiling. You know, I think today, I think Indiana really missed Tamar today. I think Mm. this is a first half where Tamar would have really brought a lot because he's aggressive, he plays with energy, and you remember what happened in that Nebraska game where Indiana was just listless early on, and Tamar comes out and makes shots, brings energy, I felt like Indiana needed that. And Jordan Geronimo gave a little spurt of it, but I felt like Tamar, you know, really would have brought that today. So that's a guy. If you can kind of continue to get him going, he can help you raise that ceiling. But I guess my point being, coach, I'm just I'm happy overall with where Indiana is. Even though the, the overall record could be a little bit better, and there are clearly some some holes that this team has to get better at, I feel like it's pretty clear that this team is better than what we've seen over the last few years and more ready to kind of go into big 10 play and compete on a night in night out basis.
1: Well, I'll kind of start with your first comment about just the interior defense and TJD has become a true rim protector in Mike Woodson's defense. And, and that shows, I think they said today on the broadcast, he's averaging two and a half, two and a half plus blocks a game. And he had two today. Um, and you just see them, and they do it without fouling for the most part. And that's one thing I kind of wanted to get back. I, I didn't mention in the numbers, Jared, that we actually didn't have to pay a whole lot for. We had a, we racked up a lot of fouls early in the second half, and we put them in the bonus pretty early. And I was one of the things I wrote down in my notes like this could be huge because if they can get to the line, that's easy way to score then you can kind of get back in the game or at least you keep it where it's at. You don't l- let the lead get away from it, but we got better from that point of at least not getting as many fouls and bunches. Now we still end up letting them go to the line, but and that was one of those, but I, I agree with you about Mike Woodson and, and where they are defensively. They're way ahead than the offense. And, um, I think I'm not trying to say anything bad about the guys that we have right now, but I think that his offensive system is probably going to need some more of his recruits that we see coming in. Some more of the longer athletic kids that can go, you know, kind of the the three and D type guys that we've seen uh, 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 and such. So I'm not trying to say negative about the kids They're but the credit now to the kids is they've bought in. They're willing to play defense for Mike Woodson. There were times the last couple of years, I really questioned whether or not they were buying. And I just being honest there, um, this team has bought in. And I think part of us with coach Tonsoni's talked about in previous episodes. And I, and he and I've kind of texted back and forth. If I ever get back into coaching kind of that same philosophy, play your butt off on the defensive end. And I'm going to give you some freedom on the offensive end. Now that may be part of the issue that we're still seeing, but That's at least right now he's gotten them to buy in. And like you said, you can win a lot of games in the Big Ten. Purdue is very good this year. But there have been years where Purdue defensively will just lock you up and win a lot of games 70 to 67, 70 to 65. Michigan State's done that. Ohio State's done that in the past. This team has the capability of doing that. They just got to be a little bit more efficient with the ball because the turnover rate was better in the second half But they were still turning it over on about, I think, 27, 28% of their possessions today.
0: Yeah. And by the way, one more stat. You mentioned Trace, you know, defending without fouling. I didn't realize this. Do you realize his fouls committed for 40 minutes? 1.6. His blocks have gone up that much and he is not fouling at all, which is huge because, you know, we're not really built to absorb a whole lot of Trace foul trouble. I mean, that is a ridiculous number. And he's drawing 6.2 fouls for 40 minutes. Yes. So that is a, that is a ratio that you will take.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sure. And that's an interesting, and that's an interesting stat. I've seen a little bit more of this year. Not every stat line has it, but if you notice that that's, I've really kind of the ones I see that I've seen a little bit more on the women's side and it's like, that's an interesting stat because if you can be a person who draws fouls, you're generally going to get you and your team to the line.
0: Yeah. And by the way, you know, here the the last number that I want to talk about, just kind of a macro number here, uh, you you know, people feel like I'm defending Xavier Johnson a lot, and I sometimes feel like I am because I think he's getting a lot of unwarranted criticism. Some of it's warranted, I get, but, you know, some people are just ready to, you know, to throw the guy out and aren't ready to recognize the stuff that he gives you. Number one, you know, you mentioned before, you know, if you got back into coaching, hey, bust your butt on defense, I'll give you some leeway on offense. Part of the reason I support Xavier Johnson is because that guy busts his ass every minute he's on the court. He plays hard. And so I'm always going to give him a little benefit of the doubt there. But the other thing to remember is Xavier Johnson's assist rate is 33.9%. Go back through all the IU rosters in the Ken Palm database since 2002, and you're not going to find one better than that. You know, he creates offense for a program that hasn't had a guard who can create offense for others. And so again, we've got to smooth out the rough edges but don't overlook the stuff he's bringing to this offense because you're focusing on the negatives. And again, I think the point guard position has got to get better in the future for this program to have a higher ceiling with Jalen Hood, Shafino and Gabe cups and Jekai Newton. I think we've got some guards coming in that are going to be able to give some of the stuff that Xavier Johnson does without kind of being so erratic. But this guy is exactly what this program needed as a bridge and a point guard who can make some things happen. So we just, let's just remember that, you know, and You know, criticize the guy fairly. That's all I'm asking for. Um,
1: And I I don't want to sound like I'm always just defending him as well. He made some mistakes and he makes mistakes. But the one thing you'll always appreciate from Xavier Johnson, at least in my opinion, is he's given you 100 percent on that floor with the Indiana jersey on. And that's, you know, that's really what I ask of a player in an IU jersey. Now, do I want them to play well? Yes. But as long as they're giving me a hundred percent every time they can, I'm okay with that. And I, I, again, it's a fine line. Uh, Coach Tonsoni's talked about this. I've talked about this before. Coach Woodson's a big believer in confidence that his job is to give the players confidence and if you start jerking them after they make, or excuse me, after they miss a shot or two or a turnover or two, you can take somebody's confidence away real quick and you may never get it back. And and I was a big believer that I thought that was part of the problem in the previous regime, that I thought that there was too many quick hooks and not enough confidence being given to kids. Now he's got to find that happy medium to where you talk to X, and this is where I think Mike Woodson seems to be really good. You listen to some of the interviews and the media availabilities from the kids. And I think where at where Mike Woodson is really good is he's pulling kids. You don't see it on TV. He's not Bob Knight. And I grew up with Bob Knight. But he's not yelling at a kid across the floor. He's not telling some kid to come over to him. I remember being in assembly hall one day and watched him call Steve Alford literally the length of the floor to the bench so he could chew him out right in front of him. And everybody watched that rather than, you know, in fact, the officials even waited to get, you know, to start to the inbound play because Alford was getting chewed out in front of the whole stadium. Oh, you I, I get I, your head out of your Oh, thank you. <laughs> I didn't know we had such stuff. Uh, anyway, but I think where Mike Woodson's really good is he's going to bring X into his office at Cook Hall tomorrow or Monday, and he's going to break down some key parts of the film. And then one of the great things about film today where they can break down certain segments and say, this is good. Don't need this. And, and he's doing it behind a closed door. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No. And so that's like, it's going to continue to be a storyline. I mean, X is right now. He's using more possessions than any player on IU's roster I think that needs to flip. You know, he needs to use a few more, uh, a few less. You know, Trace needs to be the one dominating in that. Um, but he's bringing more to the table than he's taken off overall. And we needed a point guard who was doing that. So I'm just asking for a little bit of patience and a little bit of fairness from everybody as we uh, as we assess Xavier here.
1: All right, coming up. on Real quick, Joe, I just want to say oh, yeah. um, patient, on the patient. I'm sorry to interrupt you before we go to the next segment. Just- no, all good. I, I don't want to always be kind of, you know, I, I, I break the season into quarters and and when I was coaching there, you had quarters, you had a quarter of the season, a quarter of the season. We're a third of the way through the season. I mean, this is, you know, I know we're getting toward the end of the non-conference part of it, but this is by no means the end of the season where we're kind of on the bubble. I can't, or i Lunardi's had us still as a ten seed. We'd still be inside the tournament according yeah. to Lunardi. And I gotta feel like I'm not a bracketologist guy. I wish maybe where Andy or, or Coach were here, they could make. Does a win over Notre Dame, who beat Kentucky, does that help us in bracketology? And and so I'm just let's let the season play out a little bit more before ten games, and we decide we're going to write a kid or the team off.
0: Hundred percent. All right, coming up on the Assembly Call, we are going to hand out our game balls and the Hoosier Hustle Award, uh, and then we will talk about lingering questions coming out of this game and more. That is all next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than hand a game
0: winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. Thank you, Romeo. Romeo, who got the start last night for the Celtics I saw, and then unfortunately had to leave early with a little bit of an injury. I think he had like neck soreness or something. God, Romeo just needs to stay healthy, man. He's going he's yeah. to have a good NBA career if he can just get healthy. Uh, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com, but not next Thursday night, by the way. Thursday before Christmas, we are not going to be doing a show. We'll have a game show after the Northern Kentucky game but then no show on the 23rd as we uh, take a few days for Christmas. Uh, But make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 9,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can join for free at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. All righty, it is time for game balls. Coach, who gets your game ball today?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with Trace. Um, It's hard to, to go against a kid that had 17 points and 12 rebounds, two blocks, And two assists. I'm going to go with Trace. I know it wasn't as I said; it wasn't an A game from Trace. And some other kids played well, but I felt like Trace really deserved the game ball today.
0: Yeah, it's got to be Trace. Uh, He didn't play very well to start, but when he got it going there toward the end of the first half, everybody follows. And this is his burden as the leader Mm -hmm. and as a potential All American. Is this team follows him? Man, they really do. And you could just, like I said, I knew from the very first possession when he kind of missed that bunny and then had that bad pass coat possessions later. I was like, man, we may be in for a long afternoon. But again, you know, what's changed this year in the past that might go for an entire game for trace. You know, he would sometimes as a freshman, sophomore have games where you're just like, you know, where was trace today? Now he'll have segments where you're like, where was trace? But then he figures it out and he gets going. That's the sign of a maturing player. Um, and so, yeah, you know, he played 38 minutes, you know, he shouldered a big, big piece of the load today. Uh, and at some point you just have to have a guy who produces the numbers and puts them up there. Uh, and so this was not one of traces better games, uh, but it was still good enough to get a game ball in a win that Indiana really needed. So trace for the game ball, I believe most people in the chat, uh, went with trace. So it seems like relatively, uh, unanimous. Now we may have a little bit more, uh, of a, uh, of a debate here for the, uh, for the hustle award. So, yes, the Hoosier Real Hustle Award, sponsored by our friends at Evansville Security Services, based in the hometown of IU legend Calvert Chaney, who was there in the yes. arena today. He was on the Jumbotron. And I know this because I got a whole, all of a sudden, my phone starts blowing up. <laughs> I see like all these text images of Calvert Chaney there at the Jumbotron. So, I'm glad that my brand is as an IU fan is linked to Calvert Chaney. I will proudly have that. And I appreciate everybody uh, texting me that because it's always cool to see. Uh, but yes, the hometown of Calvert Chaney Evansville security services provides off duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana. Remember prevention cannot be measured. So let Evansville security services help you prevent a bad outcome today. Go to Evansville security com to learn more. That's Evansville security com. coach Marlowe, who gets your real hustle award?
1: Man, there's a couple, there's two or three guys I think you could ch- to choose from here. I, um, Race and Parker, you know, both in double figures. But I, I'm going to go with Rob, it, it, mainly it, from the way he played on the floor, his defensive effort, the five assists, the five rebounds. Uh, he had a steal and and hit that big three that kind of jump started us to the end of the game. So I know there can be an argument made for Race and Parker as well, but I, I'm going to go with Rob today.
0: I love it when we get to the segment and there's like four or five guys that we want to talk mm-hmm. about. That's how you know it might not have been a pretty game, but that's how you know Indiana deserved to win this game. Because I agree with you. It's funny. Like, there, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of options for the game ball, but there's tons of options for hustle. Well, that's mm-hmm. how you win a game without your A game when the offense isn't very good, right? I think it's really hard to not give it to Race Thompson. You know, again, he struggled early, but made some big plays late. You know, that. The the hustle play that he made to get that steal was really big. I think you could certainly toss a vote in for Anthony Leal, uh, who made a lot of yeah. good hustle plays. Jordan Geronimo only played four minutes, but he was all hustle while he was out there getting rebounds and stuff. But I'm going with Parker Stewart. You defend your teammate like that. That is the most important piece of hustle that you can have. And I think Parker continues to improve defensively. You know, he's going to get beat off the dribble sometimes because he's just a little bit limited laterally. But he plays really hard on defense, man. That was, you know, one of the things Coach uh, Tonsoni saw when he was there. You know, that he texted about was just how hard Parker plays defensively, and he does, you know. And one thing I did want to mention about Parker, he had some really bad turnovers today, like some really bad passes that he's, you know, got to try and get out of his his repertoire. Um, but I thought just from an effort standpoint, had a couple of block shots, um, and you hustle like that and defend your teammate, you're getting my vote for the hustle award. So let's see. We've got a split vote here. I voted for Parker. You voted for Rob. All right, Chat Mob, uh, put your thoughts in there. Start it now because I can't go scroll up and see all these. Who do you have for the Hoosier Hustle Award here so we can break the tie? Or possibly split it three ways if everybody goes with Race or Leal or something like that. Put them in the Chat Mob and let's uh, and let's get to it. And then uh, while we're doing this, Coach, you had a lingering question earlier that you wanted to discuss. Let's see. We got a Parker. We got a Parker. We got a Rob. We got a race. We'll give it a couple more seconds here to see who else gets in here. Brett says to three-way it. Race, race, race. Okay. I think race, race. Okay. So it looks like we're going to have a three-way tie. You know what? I kind of feel like this game deserves a three-way tie. Yeah. How do we, okay. So I guess we'll have to go with a third. So race now has 1.33 Hoosier hustle awards. Parker has 0.33 because I'm keeping track here. And who is the other one? Rob. And Rob has Rob. .33. Okay. By the way, just to update you on the season standings, Trace currently has four game balls. Race has three. Parker, Xavier, Miller Cop, and Michael Durr all have one. Uh, and then game ball-wise, Ger- Geronimo has three. Or, yeah, Hoosier Hustle. Uh, Geronimo has three. Xavier Johnson has two. Race Thompson has one and a third. <laughs> Lander, Trace, Tamar have one. And then Parker and Rob Fennessy have a third of a Hoosier Hustle award. So there we go. Uh, Chat mob, throw in your lingering questions uh, here in the chat. And then, Coach, what was your lingering question from earlier?
1: Do you remember what it it was? I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, Jared, that I I just – there are times I've watched this through these 10 games, and I know it's still – as I mentioned earlier, it's 10 games in. We're a third of the season. But like today, I felt like there were a lot of times with the four out, one in that we were just standing. I didn't see much penetration. We did maybe a pass and then – and didn't cut. And, and I think that was one of the things that I that I was talking about on Twitter at halftime. Coach Adrani was on there as well. It would be nice to see a pass and a cut. Um, I just got to believe there's more to Mike Woodson's offense than four out, one in stand around the arc, pitch it in a trace and wait for a double team. My lingering question is, is he waiting for maybe over Christmas break? Is he saving it for the big 10? As I mentioned earlier, that he's not getting trying to keep some stuff from being on film Because I just know, having been to a clinic where I listen to some of those NBA guys, they've got hundreds of sets, and they've got specific sets that will get specific players into specific spots that they like. And I know everybody's going to say, well, it's the NBA, nobody plays any Man, I'm telling you, watch it, when you really get into the game and, and watch it and break down some of the film. There's some really good defenses played at the NBA level. It's an offensive game, it's designed to be offensive. I get that. The foul, the, the fishing is going to reward the offense more than the defense, but they have hundreds of things that they can draw up and get guys' shots. And so, I'm really waiting to see Big Ten play. Are we going to see more sets? Are we going to see some Iverson type cuts for a Parker Stewart, a Tamar Bates? A a Miller cop and, and and such that we can see in the second half of the se- or you know the last two thirds of the season.
0: I think you may be onto something there. That is going to be interesting to watch. By the way, Phil Samuels with the best lingering question of all: <laughs> Why does the chat mob feel like they know more than Coach Woodson? <laughs> <laughs> I say that about eight. post-game show hosts at times too. Although we try to be humble, but
1: and by the way, I just so you know, <laughs> Phil, there were plenty of people who watched me coach in high school and who watched Coach too. Sometimes we thought they knew more than we did too. So, uh, so
0: Dominic says, lingering question: Do we need to change the starting lineup? Uh, I think absolutely not. Um, and this kind of goes with Brett's question: Can I you work on playing for forty minutes in the next few games? You know, that's an issue. You know, this team has been up and down. And I don't think you can necessarily say that it's just at the start of games. Indiana was awesome at Wisconsin for the first 20 minutes and then was terrible after that. You know, today they really struggle coming out of the gates and kind of pick it up after that. So it's not, I don't really think that you can pinpoint one particular time in the game when Indiana has struggled. Um, But there always seems to be a time in the game when Indiana has struggled. You know, and I, I hopefully, That does get better as the season goes along, but I don't know this team's ever going to fully get rid of that. Like, it's just you've got an inconsistent point guard. You know, you've got a team that is led by two big guys down low. They're dependent on other people getting them the ball, you know? And so I think you've got a little bit of a formula for inconsistent offense. I don't think changing the starting lineup is going to do that because what change are you going to make? You're not taking Trace out. You're not taking Race out. I think you'd be crazy to take Xavier Johnson out. So, what are you going to do? You're going to switch out Miller Kopp and Parker Stewart? You know, I don't, I just don't think that you get a lot there unless maybe later on in the season, you know, Tamar has come along and really developed, you know, to the point where, where you can put him in there. But, you know, Jordan Geronimo, you're not going to put him in at the three. So, I don't see any, to me, the starting lineup is Mike Woodson seems very comfortable with it. Um, and I think those are the five guys that he trusts. To me, I've, I don't see any reason to make any changes there. Do you?
1: Now, and I think right now what you see is Mike Woodson trusts those five veteran-type players. They may not be veterans in the IU program, but they're veteran kids. They've played a lot of basketball, and I think he trusts them on the defensive end more than he does the guys on the bench right now. He's getting more trust. We've seen Anthony Leal get more minutes here. Jordan Geronimo didn't get many minutes today, but again, we see I see some things in the chat about Jordan only getting four minutes. I, my understanding from again some things we saw inside the community discussion is Jordan's pretty He's banged, banged up. up. He's banged up, so That's why I he think didn't play that was, I think exactly. I think that was more of a decision about you know this isn't a conference game. As much as we as fans wanted to win this game for bragging rights, Mike Woods has taken a long picture view that you know what he needs Jordan Geronimo, Jordan Geronimo more in in January than he does on December, you know, 18th or whatever we are. Um, I think that I'm more excited. And I was, this is something I wish i brought up a little earlier, Jared, that we were talking about. Uh, we may get Trey Galloway back by the Penn state game or the yeah. Ohio state game. And I think that will be a huge influence or, or, or influence probably where it, I think that'll be huge for this team. Cause I think Trey brings that same type of attitude that Mike Woodson's looking for. He kind of plays with no fear. He's not a great shooter. I get that, but he wants to play downhill. I think he'll look a little, he at times will be better in pick and roll maybe than even Rob. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe handle the ball a little bit more and, and Rob on the floor at the too and, and just kind of go from there. But I'm with you. I'm not sure I changed the lineup yet, but I think we also got to understand we had some guys today. Tamar wasn't there. He was at a family funeral. Miller had been supposedly sick for a few days and Jordan's you know, kind of banged up. So we found a way to, to get out a win, didn't play our best, but we found a way to get out a win with some guys that weren't, you know, a hundred percent.
0: Man. And I'm just glad that the game got played with all the games across college basketball getting oh, canceled. Yeah. Cause this, this is Indiana needed this game. Like, again, it's not like, and coach and Andy have talked about this. Like you're not going to get a whole lot of credit for beating Notre Dame. You know, right now they're 55th and Ken Palm, Who knows if they're going to make the NCAA tournament. But you check an important box, which is, did you beat a team with a pulse away from home in the non-conference, right? And Indiana did that. So like they needed to just get that checkmark on their resume, and they got it. And if you don't have this game, you don't even get that. So I'm just glad we were able to get it with all the games going down across the country. Uh, As we look forward here, uh, Wednesday, December 22nd, Indiana plays Northern Kentucky, Northern Kentucky currently 177th in Ken Palm. They are four and five. They have wins. Well, none really good to speak of. Their best win is over uh, 267th ranked Eastern Michigan. uh, And they've lost to a bunch of teams that aren't worth talking about. So they're ranked 177th, but they may not even be that good. Uh, So this is a game that Indiana should be able to win, you know, pretty convincingly. Again, we will not do an episode of Assembly Call Radio on uh, December 23rd. We will be off until the next Wednesday when Indiana plays UNC Asheville. They are ranked 259th in Ken Palm. So... A couple of games here kind of bookmarking Christmas that should be games for Indiana to, you know, work on some stuff. You know, maybe you work on some things offensively, uh, continue to work on your good defensive habits and hopefully get a couple more victories as you then head into Big Ten play. uh, And, you know, things really start to get serious. So uh, last thought from you, Coach, um, Crossroads Classic. Any lingering thoughts as we uh, as we say goodbye to the Crossroads Classic?
1: I kind of hate to see it go but I understand it's the reality of college basketball scheduling in 2021, 22. I, I like the idea of the, I can remember going to market square arena, maybe the first year it was open and IU and Purdue both played a doubleheader. IU played the, a game against, so I can't remember who they played, but IU played one team, Purdue played another. Um, I like that idea of having four teams from in the state come into one place where you can get two games for one price. And I know ticket prices are a whole lot higher than they were in 1974, but I, I just like that idea. I hate to see it go, um, but I understand the reality. Picking up Kansas, I like. And Mike Woodson has said he wants to get more of those type of games. He's talked to you the other day about he wants to get with Coach Cal and, and try to get UK back on the schedule. They've talked about going out to New York and playing in the Empire Classic. Um, so I think Mike, and there's been some rumblings about maybe trying to get something with UCLA. So Mike Woodson, I think as he gets the program where he wants it to be, and he wants it to be back at that elite level and he gets his kids on board, I think we're going to see, you know, the schedule that we, that we kind of want to see. I will say this, when it comes to bracketology at the end of the day, you got to win games. And so I don't think you can also just have your whole entire pre-conference schedule be loaded up on top 50 teams you got to you know as much as we don't like it we got to play some buy games and and find a way to you know play three four really quality promos. but remember we're going to get as far as we know the the big east the big east games are going to go on the acc challenge is going to go so you already got two games you know they're going to get you hopefully those types of games um and jared you know if you don't mind if you, i do a little cross promotion here heck yeah go for it um if you got we'd like to invite everybody on monday it'll be a day after but the iu women play tomorrow they have a game but kathy and i both or at least i have a conflict tomorrow so we're gonna do a post-game show doing the work we're calling it doing the work the iu women's post-game show will be monday and then the women play again on tuesday and we're gonna have a live show well the Monday will be live but then tuesday will be right after the game so hopefully you know some of our fans can come and check out doing the work
0: See, that's just a bad job by me as the host not mentioning that off the no, top of the show you should have smacked me at the beginning when i didn't no, when i didn't I'm, refer to you no. as coach Chef marlowe host of doing the work with kathy amos the first podcast dedicated to the best indiana women's basketball team in school history
1: i don't blame I put you that I, in I, the I show wasn't. notes I, I, I'm not sure. I I don't want to take away from the men. I, I, this is the men show. So I didn't, I was a little hesitant to mention it. So
0: now, this is back home network, baby. We cross promote. It is okay. Yes. Listen, listen to them right now. All of those episodes are going in the assembly call feed. I think at some point we'll probably break it out, give it its own feed. But for now we're just kind of doing it all through one because it's easier. Yeah. See, Jen says, Jared fail. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I gotta be, I gotta be a little better than that. Um, but yes, listen to doing the work. Yeah, I'm with you and I think everybody else in the Crossroads Classic. In a perfect world, I would love to keep it. I'd love to have Kansas and the Crossroads Classic. But if you have to choose one or the other, you know, give me the marquee uh, the marquee event, uh, Indiana and Kansas uh, over this one. It's been a good event, um, but it does feel like it had kind of run its course a little bit when there's just so many, the, the, the opportunities are so scarce for a big non-conference opportunity. And Indiana needs those. I mean, look, number one, Indiana needs to get back to the point where it can handle big marquee non-conference games and is a perennial top 25 team and all of that stuff. And we're not quite there yet, although it feels like we're on that path, but then the schedule has to, has to match up. So kind of feels like we're in a transition year, you know, but next year, you know, we got that big matchup against Kansas and let's hope that we get a lot more of those moving forward. All right. Uh, you're listening to the Assembly Call, IU Postgame Show. Remember to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. Use the promo code HOME at checkout to get 15% off your order. And it is time for Last Call. Coach, your uh, final thoughts on Indiana's important uh, victory over Notre Dame today at the Crossroads Classic.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, a victory. We finished where we get to to nine and two, and and that's an important con point And We didn't play our A game. We still found a way to win against a team that just knocked off Kentucky. And so I'm I'm very happy with the win because I always like wins. I always you always heard people say you get better from losses. I I never bought that. I'd rather win ugly than lose pretty any day.
0: Nice. I Hey, I agree. Yeah. You know, look, I think this is kind of the theme is Indiana didn't have its A game today. Maybe they didn't have their B game today, but they found a way to win by eight points. And that's good. You know, Mike Woodson wanted to build a team and a program that had a defensive identity first. And we saw it today. Boy, did we see it today. So, you know, <clears> the <throat> team has some things to get figured out. They've got to get better offensively to, you know, to be a team that can maybe be in the top four or five in the Big Ten. Um, but right now, to me, they're right where we want them to be. They had those two opportunities, you know, against Syracuse and Wisconsin, weren't quite, quite ready to take them. Hopefully, as we move forward, those will be the, the, the kinds of games that Indiana uh, is able to win. But they needed this one for their non-conference resume. They got it. And, uh, you know, on a day like today, that's really all that matters. All righty. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. And don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music that you hear on the show. And special thanks to John Ringer of rig design for designing our new logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you Wednesday after the IU-Northern Kentucky game. Until then, keep your elbows in. Noops.
1: Take it from me, Christian Wofford. <laughs> keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers.
0: Jeez, man. I mess up the ending. I forget to promote doing the work at the start of the show.
1: Oh, don't worry about on, that. Man?
0: All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks for coming out.
0: There we go. Coach? Thanks for stepping up and being here. What people don't know is Coach was a late addition to this one. Originally, didn't think he was going to be on there. Nope. This was going to be the first show in many years where it was just a solo show. So <clears throat> I'm glad that you were here because you bring a lot to the show, Coach. So it was awesome to have you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. For some reason, my feed seems to be lagging again. I apologize about that. It, uh, but I just... Yeah, we had some plans that changed. And and so I was able to be available for you today. But I know, you know, it can be difficult to do a show by yourself. It's just like when we do the Grace show, just this one on one interview with Grace at times, I feel like, you know, it'd be nice if there was somebody else asking a question, but it's, it is what it is. And, 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 but I appreciate You guys having me.
0: Van Pasterman says, Jared, do you argue a lot when it's a solo show? <laughs> I just try to pretend <laughs> stand- what Ryan might say. And then just, yes, pick arguments. No, I was going to actually try and, do, try and kind of do almost like a call-in thing and bring folks on. The next time that we have to do a solo show, which I'm sure it'll happen at some point, we'll try and kind of have a little bit of fun and bring, uh, bring some people from the chat mob up. Could be dangerous. Could be a disaster.
1: <coughs> kind of you know. like, like the mailbag show last night on AC Radio.
0: Yeah. How'd that go, by the way? I haven't had a chance to listen.
1: I thought it went really well. They didn't ask. You know, I I asked the question and the chat mob may have seen on the on the discussion. I was like, I want to know what their favorite basketball non Hoosiers. What was their favorite basketball movie?
0: And what did they say? What was the answer?
1: They didn't answer it. They didn't. They didn't come up. And so mine was Teen Wolf.
0: (laughs) Now, do you want to defend that? You want to defend Teen Wolf?
1: Well, I just love the ending, you know, the the fact that, you know, here's this guy who has very, you know, he's really not a very good basketball player, but he leads his team to a championship just on his zone. You know, he's not the wolf anymore. Plus that whole montage. I, I love the kid that's left-handed. He actually is the best player on the team. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think everybody knows what my favorite non-Hoosiers basketball movie is. It's about money. Got to be blue chips. Got to be blue chips, you know. Part, I mean, I'm sure part of it is, you know, it's got Indiana players in it. Like, I remember being there at the games when Nick Nolte was, like, coming and shadowing Coach Knight. Plus, like, how, I mean, you know, everything that Blue Chips talked about, we've pretty much seen, you know, like, Blue Chips was more of a documentary than a movie, I think. So, anyway,
1: and, I'm going with that one. Jen doesn't like my choice.
0: She doesn't. That's okay. Jen's been calling both of us out today. Jen's feisty. Jen is Jen's like Parker Stewart in the chat. She's feisty. Um, all righty. Well, fun stuff, coach. Good show. And, uh, I will apologize talk to you soon. a little
1: bit. Apologize a little bit. I didn't realize I was still under the assembly call account when I signed into the stream yard. So i got to make sure that when I'm with you with them. It's okay. We're
0: all, we're all using the, We're all using the same account here. It's all good. <laughs> okay. It is all good. All right, everybody have a great rest of the weekend and we'll talk to you soon.